0: What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp, managing editor, Fightful.com, FightfulWrestling.com, FightfulMMA.com, FightfulBoxing.com. We have them all. We make it very easy for you to get the news you want across all three. Or you can uh, split them up. You don't have to get all your news at once. You can get your boxing, MMA, wrestling by going to those individual sites. It was obviously a huge weekend for the Fightful.com line of content essentially. WWE Super Showdown Saturday morning. We have a live post show after that, that. We did. It was great. Uh one of my favorite live post shows that we've ever done actually. It was a lot of fun even after that type of schedule. We had UFC 229, which was our most successful live broadcast we've ever done. I think like 3000 people were there at one point. It was unbelievable. Also, we had uh The Aftermath, a podcast, I literally invented four big moments like that. Occasionally, after momentous occasions, like what happened at UFC 229, I'll pop up the day after, after everybody's had time to digest, and we'll do a podcast called The Aftermath, where kind of answer some questions, talk about how things ended up. Sammy Olay says, yeah, it was 2,700 plus. It was 3,000 plus. We got the analytics back. 3,000 concurrent. It was a good time. But we got New Japan King of Pro Wrestling to talk about. I do have my match ratings going up in the morning. I was kind of disappointed by this show, to be honest with you. At least some of what happened on this show. This show will not be as long as as some of the others. Won't be as long as tonight's Raw Post Show Podcast. But you all know the drill. Fightful.com. Lots of exclusives. Lots of news. Hit it up. If you like non-WWE stuff, FightfulSelect.com, our premium service is for you. We have a 205 Live May Classic NXT review every week. Then on Fridays, I do a, a Lucha Underground Impact Wrestling Ring of Honor review where we also talk 10 pounds of gold. We talk uh, BTE. This Sunday, Impact Bound for Glory review. Weekend after that, NWA 70th. Weekend after that evolution. It doesn't stop. Bellator this weekend, too. Let's get in this New Japan show. Desperado and Kanemaru defeated Liger and Tiger, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. Uh, Desperado and Kanemaru attack early on, so Liger and Tiger work from underneath after being thoroughly beaten up. The heels go after Tiger Mask's hood, then the favor is is returned, so to speak. I think that too much of this match was spent on that, the, the mask aspect of this for there not to be a mask versus mask at some point. Of course, there won't be, because New Japan's booking has been rough lately. A lot of stuff with New Japan has been rough lately, and we'll, we'll get into that, but it would just make sense. Otherwise, it seems like a lot of wasted time, because you knew Liger and Tiger were not winning this match. This gets a lot better as it goes on, and Suzuki Gunner really pushes the shit heels using every illegal tactic they can to win. But to me, Desperado got the win with the Angels' Wings. The work was good, but the constant burying of the ref brought things down a little for me. That's usually a no-go early in the show, and it's something I'm going to hammer home on this podcast. You don't bury the ref in the first match of the night. If you do that, how are fans able to respect a referee throughout the night? And the answer to that is they weren't, because that's being that's such a cheap New Japan tactic right now. It's, oh, the ref's not looking. The ref's doing this. The ref's doing that. I will sound like a broken record on this podcast. I will sound, I I will, because it it was constant. Constant. Hanma and Makabe defeated Hanare and Juice Robinson. Juice Robinson, fresh off of one of the most underwhelming title reigns in New Japan history. Right there. I mean, does it hurt him to beat Hanma and Makabe and keep himself strong? Because I know it doesn't hurt Hanma or Makabe to lose to him. Hanare screams a lot, breathes heavy. That's him. Hits a rugby tackle, almost gets the pin, but gets double teamed and Juice is unable to save him. Juice doesn't see a lot of action here. Hanma wasn't able to hit his headbutt off the top rope. Yeah. With the firing squad defeating the Bullet Club, I think you have to have the firing squad beat Bullet Club here. You have to make them seem overwhelming. You have to make them seem like Because they were quiet for so long. Tama and Loa and Bad Luck Fale, they were just hiding in the shadows. And it's something that we talked about every Friday on the FightfulSelect.com Weekender podcast. For almost months, I would say, what are they going to do? Because it's going to be big. What are they going to do? Because it's going to be impactful. What are they going to do? Because they're not, as Jazz would say, Tama Tonga ain't going out like no bitch. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So... When they did the split, they had to make it momentous. They had to do something big. Uh, the firing squad combo was Tamatanga, Tonga, Tonga Loa, Taiji Ishimori, the Bone Soldier, uh, and Badlock Fale defeating the Young Bucks, Hangman Page, and Chase Owens. This was very much a Chase Owens showcase match. Chase Owens holding his own when nobody else in Bullet Club could, and I thought that was kind of cool. You can say what you want about Chase Owens' physique, and if I were him and I were in that situation, I would try to improve it because you're in a real special situation. But, man, he plays his role real well. He was good in the ring. He ate a terrible-looking 3D and took the pin, but he was very good, and this was heavy on on Chase Owens getting offense. All the flashy stuff was on the elite side of things. BCOG relied more on power. And brawling outside of ishimori who honestly wasn't that crisp tonight my other note was tongaloa really reduces the value of throwing middle fingers at people in everyday life because he does it so much this was an average match chaos defeated suzuki Goon. this is tomohiro ishii hiroki goto and will osprey defeating minoru suzuki taichi and izuka Oh, boy, man. I thought I was done with Izuka after he missed two years in New Japan, and I don't want to see him anymore. I don't want to see him biting people and getting the iron fingers out, pretending to be a 52-year-old George the Animal Steel, dragging down matches that have Suzuki, Goto, Ishii, and Osprey in. I don't want that anymore. I'm tired of it, man. I don't need to see it. When and Taiichi, man, his thing was everything seemed a little bit slow, a step behind. Like the moves that he were doing, uh, he's stuck in between being a power guy and a guy who can move really, really quickly. But he can't move really quickly. When you've got Izuka and even Suzuki, both really slow guys, you have you. Uh, you should probably be a contrast. I don't know. Osprey beats tai Chi with this good-looking storm runner. Looks really good. They played this up big time. From Osprey looking like he just beat freaking Okada to the announcers like, whoa. I mean, Osprey was due for a push at at, like in this spot for the never open weight championship. So it wasn't as surprising as they played it up, but they did play it up very, very well. That was the story of this match. But then Ishii and Suzuki had their own thing going on that I thought took away from it a little bit. I don't think you need that. Whether you're setting up for Suzuki and Ishii or not, my man, they're, they don't, they don't need that. It took too much away from Osprey and, and Taichi, in my opinion. Suzuki beat up the young boys after. This was just the latest thing in officials and young boys getting their asses kicked. Not, not a great match. Izuka, man, you can find somebody else. There, there are so many better options. So many better options than Izuka. L.I.J. defeated Chaos. L.I.J. was represented by Tetsuya Naito, Sanada, Bushi, and new member Shingo Takagi. 35-year-old, uh, wrestled a lot in uh, Dragon Gate, wrestled in Ring of Honor even. So, I mean, the, he maybe has a little bit of exposure between um, American fans. He is a former Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion, although that not exactly a memorable run for people these days or if you've gotten into Ring or Ring of Honor in the last decade or so. But he's a good addition. He looks the part, and uh, for for non-fans, he will be a guy. They speculated maybe he's trying to make junior heavyweight. I think that division could use some help because I feel like it's lost some of its luster when you don't have Takahashi there, and you had some guys that could have wrestled in the junior heavyweight division end up there or end up not there. Uh, He hits one hell of a vertical suplex, too. One of my favorite, favorite vertical suplexes I've ever seen. However, I'm very conditioned to not care about these tag matches because there are so many. Even though New Japan puts a lot more stock into them, as we saw in the match prior to this when Osprey beat Taichi, you had to have Takagi get the win here. You had to establish him and his finish, and that's what they did. The last falconry gets the win. It's essentially a Samoan driver where you drop your leg. It's a Samoan driver leg drop at the same time where you pin the opponent. Yeah you, you had to do this. This went like nine and a half minutes. Each match did really good to showcase one person. This one was Takagi. The one before that was Osprey. The one before that was um Chase Owens and then BCOG's getting the win. The one before that, Hanma because he's back and he's been back for a while, but it was it was his match. Should have been Juices, but whatever. And then before that, Suzuki game. Evil versus Zack Saber was up next. However, one of the Druids, not a penis Druid, I can't confirm, made his way out to the ring and uh, attacked him. This Druid, however, was wearing the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. It's Chris Jericho, complete with his half-assed sting makeup. Beats up uh, Evil, hits him with a, a code breaker. Good stuff, but Zack Sabre Jr. was really, really good here. Zack Sabre, looking as wiry and dick Haddish as he possibly can, playing the role so well, he still wants the match. And he's not happy that this went to a no contest. He beats up everyone as a result. And if all the stuff in the first match hadn't happened and Suzuki beating up the young boys hadn't happened, I would have loved this even more. But this was the third time tonight. The third time that you had people in that position getting attacked, getting beaten down, all that. So Sabre did it best of anybody on this show. It should have been his spot because when you don't have your match, you got to get your heat somehow. And that's how Sabre should have got. Uh, he, he did get his heat, but it's really how she, he should have gotten his heat alone without the whole roster doing that as well. You know what I'm saying? Vacant IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Kishida defeated Marty Skrull to win the championship. Skrull is over in Japan, man. There's a nice series of pin attempts early in the match. Neither one can get it done. A beautiful Diablo armbar, one of the best I've seen. There is a transition from the crossface chicken wing that Marty Skrull uses as his finish into the double wrist lock, which... Kishida uses, as his finish, as the hoverboard lock. I love him using that move against Kashida. What I didn't love was how Kishida took a chicken wing suplex. I love a chicken wing suplex. But I don't necessarily like Kishida taking it on the back of his head. Uh, I don't need head drops all the time. Scary. Followed by a package pile driver. Doesn't do kashida in. Kashida goes for the hoverboard lock, but his fingers are hurt. They're broken. <laughs> He's had them worked over too much. He gets the win with Back to the Future. Here's my latest bag on the refs, man. Go back and watch this finish. This wasn't scripted to be a bad spot for the ref. But the ref started well before Skrull's shoulders were down. He was rolling onto his shoulder and the the one count already came. You can't do that. If you're a referee, you call it like a shoot for better or for worse. There are some rare instances. This was not one of them where you make that exception. I'll not hammer this home too much again until the main event. So, Kushida is your new champion He's a familiar champion. He's a safe champion, right? He's a guy that they, you know, they go back and forth between him and Takahashi, and that's fine. But when you look in that division, you've, you've got Kishida and Skrull. You've got Takagi now. You had to bring in a name like that. Osprey, but Osprey might be moving up if he's fighting for the openweight championship. Uh, I know it's openweight, but you never know what can happen with a successful heavyweight run. You have Ishimori, who I don't think has at least tonight didn't look where he needed to be. Plus, he's in the he's a, a six man tag champion right now. And then you've got the old faithfuls. You got, <laughs> you got like Ghetto and Jado, Liger and Tiger Mask and all that stuff. You got to really reestablish this division. But Skrull's over there, and that's a good thing. New Japan is concerned about their about making sure they establish their international expansion. However, they've taken some steps backwards while they've taken some steps forward. They've got some good content up on their YouTube. They got rid of George Carroll, who I know that a lot of the Bullet Club guys liked. And I don't know if that will impact a decision that they make, but I doubt it helps it. Or at least I'm under the impression they like George Carroll. The people that I talked to said that they did. We'll see how that goes. The announced team tonight... I like Chris Charlton's work. I like him as a historian. The voice doesn't quite connect for me there, but there are a lot of people that really like him. And I mean, he is responsible for bringing a lot of the news and translating it. But I think there are areas of improvement for a lot of, a lot of what new Japan's doing right now. And for them being, it's like they're half assed concerned about their international expansion. Not as not enough to go out of California for shows. And I mean, I know they're they're doing they did the technically the Kenny Omega show and they've got some Young Lion shows coming up, but I don't think Access Access has no idea. They've not been told anything about the Young Lion show. So don't expect them to run those. At least as of now, they have no idea. But there are other aspects of this, like getting good referees making sure that the same stuff isn't done over and over again throughout a show that can really add to your show because I feel like they have taken a real big hit lately as far as quality. G1 briefcase on the line. Hiroshi Tanahashi successfully defended it over Jay White, Switchblade, with Ghetto. Tanahashi is attacked early on because Switchblade is New Japan's new dirty son of a bitch, but he fights back pretty well. It's a high fly flow to the outside. There's a great series of reversal that uh, led to a couple of rolling neck breakers by Tanahashi, but White does a spinning brain buster to stop the momentum, or so he thinks, because Tanahashi immediately follows up with another rolling neck breaker. Ghetto kept getting involved, and, you know, he turned on Okada, who's very much a babyface now, and it was kind of funny to see the announcers explain that, you know, he used to be a heel. You know, all those times that he messed with Tanahashi before, he was always a heel then, but now he's he's a super heel. He's a real heel because the dirty things that he used to do weren't as dirty as that he's doing now because this isn't unlike anything he's ever done before. But in reality, it's exactly what, like, what he's always done. <laughs> he just did it with Okada. Eh. Ghetto stops a pin off the high fly flow, which leads to Tanahashi going for another one and eating a chair. Tanahashi counters the Blade Runner and ends up winning with a small package. Tanahashi will go on to main event the Tokyo Dome Show. Lots of big, high-profile. Paul Smackage wins, as Edge and Christian say. So after the match, White attacks Tanahashi. Now, the story of this, you would think, is Tanahashi's going to Wrestle Kingdom, right? Not so much. White attacks Tanahashi, Okada makes the save. Ghetto gets beaten up by Okada, but Giotto comes out and helps him. The BCOGs then slowly come out, and I've got a lot of criticism for this segment. Everybody in the ring, I think except for Tama Tonga, was wearing black pants, black shirt. My God, man, it was really hard for me to tell who was doing what. I mean, I'm not saying go shirts and skins, but my God, have your, just have your baby faces, maybe wear, wear something yellow. I don't know, a yellow shirt or something. Pink shirt, an orange shirt, a blue shirt, a white shirt, anything. Everybody was dressed exactly the same. So they surround Okada, and they hold Ghetto. And Okada said, Hell yeah, brother! And he goes to hit Ghetto while BCOGs are holding him. But Tama Tonga hits the stun gun. And there you go. Switchblade is in the BCOGs with Ghetto. That's cool. He needs that. Can he, uh, Switchblade needs that. He does. Not in Chaos anymore. Him being in BCOGs is the right move, especially if you're trying to extend the life of Bullet Club and you're trying to give him a push. And... uh as Heavy J says in the live chat, putting it's a safety measure if BCE fails or BCE bails. Yeah, it is, and it's a smart one. What wasn't smart is what was Okada doing? Huh? What was Okada doing? Bouncing off the ropes, ready to hit? Did he think he was about to join the BCOGs? Doubt it. Doubt it. Didn't make any sense. It was so weird. It was <laughs> why, is ok- why is Okada taking help from them? He's never been a bullet club guy. It was weird, man. Didn't like that part. Switchblade, Jay White, and the BCOGs. I do like IWGP Junior Heavy or IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Kenny Omega defeated Kota Ibushi and Cody. Young Bucks at ringside for this. I want to say the in-ring work was very good. Cody seemed a little off early, but man, he heated up. Omega and Ibushi go for their finish on Cody, but as Cody rolls out of the way, Omega switched and tried to do it at one-winged Angel, but Ibushi catches him doing it. There's a great dynamic, and... New Japan doesn't do these very often, these... Triple threat matches, so it makes it more special. That being said, some people aren't going to like this. WWE does triple threat matches way better than New Japan. If you look at my match ratings, most triple threat matches do very, very well because WWE knows how to do them very, very well. New, not saying this one was bad. It was a good match, but there were there were some things in here that that require some attention. Uh, There's a good spot that ends in a Cody power slam on Omega and then an Ibushi Ibushi moonsault on Cody. Omega power bombs Cody through an announce table that Romero sold great by just screaming, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Ibushi catches Omega with a corkscrew body press to the outside. But then Cody shows back up, pushes Ibushi off the top rope, does the Mexican destroyer where you jump off the second rope and then do the Canadian destroyer. Kenny does this sick V trigger to the corner on Cody. I loved... Always loved wrestling in rings that had the New Japan style, the boxing style turnbuckles, which weren't actual turnbuckles. It was a big pad. That was the only benefit of if you ever had to wrestle in a boxing ring, you could use those corners really, really well. You can do moves like that V-Trigger that Kenny Omega did, and they look so much worse, and you have so much more room for error. So I really loved that spot. Ibushi, Lawn Darts, Omega, and and there's a move, uh, a powerbomb from Cody into a German suplex from Ibushi. Authors of Pain need to adopt that yesterday. Somebody said, oh, they'll kill somebody. No, they won't. No, they won't. You can me? Razor Rezar and Akum have been doing bridges their entire life. Get out of here. Omega goes through the terrible Japanese table. So now all three have went through a table at some point. Ibushi had Cody pinned, but Omega stops the count by holding Red Shoe's hand. Huh? Why doesn't Red Shoes just other hand? Three. There you go. Why does that prevent the count? Red Shoes is a bad ref anyway. But this didn't make any sense. And I'm going to go off on it in a bit. Ibushi is pissed. Omega pleads with him. There's also a spot where Ibushi has Omega down and like, mounted him. And Omega's shoulders were down for like... Eight seconds. There was no pin count there. Doesn't matter how you pin somebody's shoulders to the mat. You're supposed to count ref. Two crossroads hit on Omega, but one is stopped when Ibushi comes off the top rope and hits a coup de gras on Omega as Kenny or Cody rolled out of the way. And then Omega just kicks out of the second. Omega wins with a J Driller, V-trigger, and a one-winged angel. The in-ring work was very good. They help up Ibushi after the match. Refused to walk to the back until that happens, and then Tanahashi comes out for the face-off. Not a good show, in my opinion. There weren't a lot of things that I was like, man, that was just trash. The Azuka match I didn't like that. Other stuff was middle of the road. There was nothing on this show that made me say, "Damn, you gotta tune into this pay-per-view." And not a lot that said to me, "Yeah, Sean." Your Monday, your busiest (laughs) wrestling news day of the year wasn't wasted watching this show. It it did feel like a wasted day. Uh, New Japan's booking is questionable at at some points. To me, the story of this that, that I kept going back to was the refereeing and the officials and all that. You had four or five instances where referees were prevented from doing their job or got attacked or officials got attacked or young boys got attacked. Not everybody can do that. New Japan's referees are, by and large, legitimately already terrible at being referees. They do the count like this instead of swinging their arms around. Little tip. When referees swing their arms around, do the circular motions to keep their cadence The same. New Japan doesn't do that. Sometimes the referees are a little too much of the story. They get buried an awful lot. So what what these guys don't need, as terrible as they already are at refereeing, is somebody undermining that and making them look even worse than they are and exposing them as a result. Somebody in the chat says, still better than WWE. I preferred Super Showdown to this show. And, yeah, that show was all right. But Dark Ibushi coming soon. Yeah, I could see that. Man, Ibushi's a hell of a talent for them to have. Guys, keep it locked. Fightful.com. Don't forget to check out FightfulSelect.com. Maybe you don't have any interest in some of the things you've heard me talk about. Just head over and check out FightfulSelect.com. There might be something that you like there that is a part of our subscription service. Also, if you guys don't mind me doing a favor, lost in all the controversy of UFC 229 was my new making a finisher. I talked to WCW veteran Stevie Ray of Harlem Heat, and we talked about Harlem Heat's finishes. We talked about his work with Booker T. We talked about the slapjack, both the gimmick and the move. We talked about who helped him come up with it, how he and Booker T developed finishing moves, what moves they had to abandon because they were too dangerous. If you all don't mind, head over to my Twitter at Sean Ross Sapp or the one at Fightful, Fightful Online. Retweet the pinned tweets we have up there with those because that kind of got lost in the shuffle. And we put a lot of work into those making of finishers. You can get those early by subscribing to tier two of fightfulselect.com. But until next time, guys, thank you, guys. Let me know your thoughts on the show in the comments section. We are on podcast platforms everywhere. SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Libsyn, all over the place.